What's up, beautiful people? Hey guys. Welcome back to the podcast. What's Welcome up, back. beautiful people? It's kind of our thing. We we uh, we <laughs> love of. you guys, and we're so glad that you're here. And, and we're so glad. Beautiful. And you are beautiful. And you're beautiful. And you're. <laughs> oh my gosh. I actually the main reason that I like to do this podcast is because I get to hear this lovely woman. Oh. Give all of her wisdom and insight that she has amassed from living with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that, how genuine that laugh was. No. How it, ridiculous it is. I think we've both learned a lot Yes, from life in general. That is for sure. Marriage, yeah. parenting, all Adoption. Of that. Adoption. Which, which is what today's topic is. Yes. So we know a thing or two. We've adopted a few oh, times. I don't like to say it like that, though. I don't want people to I think just mean, that we... Yeah. We know a thing or two, guys. I just mean we have some experience in this area. We do have some experience. We have roughly... So 12, 12 years. years of experience as it relates to adoption. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, next week will be um, Jude and Liam's 11-year adoption day. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty amazing, years. guys. That um, is crazy to me. Yeah. In some ways... It feels like, of course, it's been 11 years. Yeah. Like, it feels like we've always been together. Yes. But in other ways, it just, it's mind-blowing how quickly it yes. goes by. And that a lot of our kids are teenagers and, like, getting closer to being grown. Like, yeah. Reese's it's 18. crazy. Penelope it was talking about, how, like, what she wants to do for her birthday party this August. <laughs> Um, and she, she said, said, go back I, to China. No, well, she, <laughs> she did say that. Go, back to, go back to China, get all the food and bring it back for my birthday. She went, they want to like make her and her friends. She has yes. some uh, Mandarin speaking friends here in the area and they want to like create this huge feast. But she said, you know, for my 17th birthday and it hit me that in that she's moment. Gonna be 17. Oh my gosh, she's going to be 17. Oh my gosh. And part of me wanted to cry because I'm like, so no, crazy. my children are not that old yet. They're not. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to let Reese go because I don't know. I feel like Reese has always been. You've had the most time bit, with her. Yeah, yeah. And she's been a little bit ahead of. She's always been very independent. She's always kind of been ahead of her time. Yeah. Um, and that was that was very hard to let her go. It was. We cried yeah. like babies for yeah. the longest time. We were talking about that a couple of days ago. Reese was saying something about back when we were in the rental house that we were in uh, last year and we were getting ready to move out of it. And that was around the time she was, she was talking about her 18th birthday and talking about the possibility yeah. of if she wanted to try moving out for a year, that kind of thing. And I just, I remember being in the kitchen and I was crying so hard yeah. and I was like, I'm happy, but you know, it's okay. But <laughs> she was consoling me in the kitchen because I just couldn't stop crying that she was like growing up. And crazy, it is, man. yeah, it's so heartbreaking and yet so beautiful how quickly yeah. the kids grow up. And when it comes to adoption too, like those adoption days and like each year, it's mm -hmm. like a birthday, you know, you're celebrating. And I know different families do this differently because some families, um, don't really want to celebrate the adoption day. Uh, you know, it depends on what your child feels. And a lot of kids have different feelings on it. Right. Our kids have very much wanted to celebrate that day as like a family day. Mm -hmm. it, it is, you know, in so many ways like a birthday. And so yeah. for them, I think they love it because it's an excuse for them to get to eat whatever they want and do something really fun. Yeah. And it's a big celebration. It really is. I mean, we, we really go all out for it, you know, yeah. so, but we let them lead the way on that and yeah. just take it a year at a time. Like what, yeah. what do you want to do? How would you like to celebrate mm -hmm. this? And I do think that there are times where our kids have, you know, they're processing through that because adoption is so beautiful but it doesn't come without pain. It doesn't yeah. come without loss. You're talking about a child who had to be separated from their biological family. Right. Um, and so you're celebrating that they're in your family and that you get to raise them. They're your beautiful children. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't also come with pain. And so mm -hmm. that's something that over the years our kids wrestle with in different ways. And yeah. so some years we've had a little bit more of a... a not simple. I would say the kids always like to celebrate, but there are times where it's just a little bit more reserved and, and thoughtful mm -hmm. and other times where they're just like, you know, we're going to make this as big of a party as they can. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we really like to let our kids kind of lead the way on that. Yeah. And, 
If you guys are new to our podcast or to our family, our channel on YouTube, whatever, uh, Facebook, Instagram, we kind of do the whole deal. We have seven kids, so they're 18, 16, 16, 15, 14, 8, and 6, three biological, two adopted from Ethiopia, and two adopted from China. So uh, we adopted our sons, Jude and Liam, 11 years ago um, on July 8th is their adoption day. And then uh, Penelope and Lincoln, we adopted in 2017, and so they're coming up on their five years home uh, August, yeah. in August, which is, you know, these are pretty big milestones and we've just seen them each, um, come at this and process through this in so many different various ways. Uh, we got them all just about, I mean, Jude and Liam were five and three when they came home. Mm-hmm. Penelope was 12 when we adopted her. Right. Lincoln was two. Uh, Lincoln is very, pretty significant special needs. Uh, so even now, you know, he's about to turn seven, uh, but developmentally still about two ish, you know, there's so much though that he understands his receptive language is so good. Um, and he, he struggles because he had some, um, he had some strokes as a baby and ended up having brain surgeries the year after we brought him home. Um, and so he, he struggled with verbally communicating. Um, he is in speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and doing well. Um, but he understands so much more than he can verbally express. Yes. And so sometimes I think that can be challenging because you know he understands that he wants to let you know what he's yes. trying to, to say. Um, and some sometimes he just doesn't have the language for right. it. And w- there's so many things that we have done to... Um, to try to help him with with expressing himself and his therapists are, have been really good about that. Sign language is something a lot of people ask us about and that's something he, for whatever reason, has never really latched yeah. on to. They've tried. I mean, yeah. it's certainly been all of his uh, speech therapists have tried mm-hmm. for years in some cases to try to help with that and uh, yeah. he just doesn't seem to, to connect with it. To connect with all. that, which, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll find another way. He's, he's a, Warrior. He finds ways. Like he he finds ways. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Penelope, we adopted her when she was 12, didn't know a lick of English, you know, like none. Uh, she did know one word. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say that we word. We won't say that word. She I, think, heard, I think she heard it from TV or something. Yeah. We just, what, 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 what word is that? I don't, I've like, never heard that word before. So that was funny, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, when we, when we brought her home, um, we were using you know, say hi app and Google translate trying to mm-hmm. do whatever, which I think was really great uh, for bonding for us mm-hmm. because it really did. She was, she was struggled a lot um, when she first came home and we would have a lot of pretty heated discussions about various things and having to use that translator mm-hmm. really forced us to slow down and really try to, I, th- I think when you're using English, it just things go so quick. You're not, you're never really having to ask like, what's underneath this. Like, what is she getting at? What is she trying to right, say? Right. What's behind, you know? And so it really did force us to, to slow down and try to understand what she was saying. Partly because the translations were so bad. Usually like oh I remember my gosh. there was one night yes. and she was, she was like, Oh, like, uh, you know, she'd say, and uh, you know, the Google translate would say, I want to kill the, I want to eat the flesh of a bull killed in the fight. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You, you want some steak? Yeah. You want, you want to, to get some steak? steak? Want to go to Chili's and get some steak? So like, cause that was the closest steak place. And she's like, yeah, you know? Yeah. So like th- those are kind of the funny things that would happen early on. You know, when the boys came home, it was always so funny to hear them try to, I mean, they were little parrots. They would repeat they everything. They picked up English very They picked quickly. it up so fast. And, you know, but it was like every, you, you would say something, they would repeat after you. You would mm-hmm. ask, you know, they're asking that, that, you know, if you're making like a sandwich, that for you, that for all of us, Yeah, <laughs> we all got to eat that food, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and they would say, you know, they would want to listen to Coldplay and they say, that, Carlison, 
para 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 and never get to the paradise part and so they're just really funny you know fun stories you know and um and i wouldn't trade any of those for for the world um but you know we have those and we've been telling that story for you know our kids story and our family's story um, long before we were ever on YouTube or, or really in any way, we just, we shared our life with our friends and our family and all that. And, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's natural that we would share that on this podcast today. A lot of you guys have asked us to talk about, uh, uh about adoption and mm-hmm. sort of how do, how do we know if we're supposed to adopt? Uh, how do we know if we're feel, we feel called to adopt? Uh, how do you go about starting the process to adopt? Does it, costs a lot of money. Like, what did you do to do that? I mean, what does that look like? So we figured we'd kind of just break it down into sort of the nuts and bolts and answer some of the most basic questions, uh, that we can maybe not go into the emotional, uh, side of that. I think we can maybe do that on a future, but this is just more of like the, the basics of adopting, you know? Uh, and so to start out, you know, the question that we get a ton is how do we know if we're supposed to adopt? And I think um, our story goes that we felt like we were supposed to adopt. I was a music leader for a long time. Um, We were dating. You had always been pretty exposed to adoption, foster care, respite care. Right. My Um, parents did a lot of that. They weren't foster parents, but they did um, the respite care for foster parents. So a lot of times on the weekends and that kind of thing, we would have – children in our home that we would take care of while the the foster parents could have a break because as foster parents you cannot just hire a regular babysitter you actually have to have someone who has been vetted and qualified to take care of these children um in some ways i think that's really good because you're protecting these kids from just being exposed to whoever um but that can make it really difficult for foster parents because then they have a very limited amount of people who can care for these children if they need to go somewhere or maybe they're not feeling well they just need a a break a rest like parents do go on a date go on a vacation yeah even a date night so that kind of thing um if you feel like you want to get involved but you don't feel like you are able to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent respite care is a way that can be really impactful it can make such a a difference yes and, um, and you're getting to love on these kids and you get to pour into them and you get to love on the foster parents, but it is for a specific amount of time, whether that's just for a date night or it's for the weekend, right. or maybe it could be for a week, um, that kind of thing. That is a really great way to be able to get involved. And yeah. so I highly recommend looking into that if you are wanting to, to get involved, but you don't feel like adoption or foster care, um, is the right path for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, you were sort of exposed to that all growing up. I was not, mm-hmm. um, but I would, you know, I'm sort of a theology nerd, so I'd be reading about the theology of adoption or whatever and just hearing things like a guy named J.I. Packer would say, like, adoption, our adoption is our greatest blessing that we have as as Christians and that, like, God adopts us into his family. So I started thinking about that and, like, you know, wanting my life to be a representation of like God's love for adoption. You know, he, the, what we do know the Bible says is that he's the father to the fatherless. You know, he, uh, in, in the old Testament, there's a book called Hosea and like people are singing songs to God as you tend to do in church or in any kind of worship experience. And God like straight up, like stops him mid song. He's like away from me with the noise of your songs. I don't want to hear that. Um, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness, like an ever flowing stream. And so there's, there's that in the old Testament. And then in the new Testament, there's a book, book of James. And it says, this is true religion. This is like what true worship looks like of God, that you'd care for the, the fatherless and the widow. So I'm this guy who's leading music and churches, you know, and we're talking about, you know, our family and all of that. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, it just felt very much so like our, our life needs to be about what God's passionate about. And for us, that meant, you know, we knew that God was passionate about adoption. So Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Let's do that. We knew that God was passionate about the nations, like not just, you know, white people or whatever, like we happen to be, but like the world, like all of the world. Mm -hmm. And so we want our family to look like that and reflect that. And so I think God like um, really confirmed that to us. And so, I mean, that's our story. Like we are Christians. So that's our worldview. That's how we, that may not be your story and that's okay. But like you, you can, uh, you can still ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Like we know there are 165 million orphans in the world, you know, fatherless in the world, at least. Um, what can you do? You know, and this is like, this is not white saviorism. Like, and I'll just be the first one to say that it has nothing to do with that at all. Um, and you know, we've heard those, you know, whatever that, the, that buzzword is, people try to say that that's not a, that's not us. That's not our motivation. That's not our desire. Right. Um, and I think the, the idea of going into adoption to save a child is a flawed perspective. Absolutely. Um, because you, and you never would want your child to feel like you did them a favor or right. that they owe you something in the same way that if you have a child biologically, you know, you didn't do them a favor. Like, right. You know, like you you are their parents and it's your joy and your privilege to raise these children. And so, um, you want to go at it from that perspective of, I want to give love to this child. I have love to give and I have room in my home or, you know, that I have the means to do that. Yeah. And if you have that tug and you have the means then that might be a, the right fit for you, but not yeah. not in order to be a savior because you couldn't carry the weight of that. I Correct. promise yeah. you, you can. You're a flawed human, um, and we would never want to portray adoption as this kind of rose-colored glasses experience because, like we said, like we will always talk about the beauty of adoption, but we also want you to know that adoption is hard. It and is, yeah. There are a lot of challenges, and it's born out of brokenness, and so you really do have to be very educated about the challenges of adoption as well, because there are challenges um, and you have to know that you're prepared to meet those challenges yes. and to kind of shoulder that, so to speak. Um, I don't remember where we heard it, but someone was, someone said, I think maybe it was in training or at a seminar or something. They said, when you say yes to adopting a child you say yes to stepping into their suffering with them yes um, because all adoption starts with loss even Mm. if you're adopting a healthy infant from birth that child is going to experience separation from their biological family and that is heartbreaking in a perfect world that would never ever happen Um, and so we're very aware of that our family is beautiful and we absolutely love that we get to parent each of our kids but that's not because this is the way it should have been from the beginning. And right. sometimes I hear those comments like, you guys were destined to be together from yeah. the beginning. No, in the beginning, it, what should have happened is that children weren't separated from their biological families because of death or disease right. or, poverty or poverty or any or, of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason why we're so passionate about, um, before we even adopted, getting involved in other ways. So respite yeah. care is a big one. Um Compassion International Compassion. was huge for us. I mean, that was really our first step of yes, where we said, you know, right now, realistically, we're not old enough to adopt. Like we wouldn't have qualified to yeah. adopt, to we're do foster our- care for anything. We we were trying to get trained to do foster care. Yeah. I think we were like um, 23 at the time. And you, yeah. most uh, agencies want you to be 25. Yeah. Uh, some countries like China, you can't adopt until you're 30. And yeah. so... Um, so we yeah. sponsored three kids with Compassion International, and and that mm-hmm. was a huge thing for us. We didn't have really any money at the time, but we just knew, man, if we can if we can say yes here, like God will continue to shape our hearts and move us into this mm-hmm. uh, next level of obedience. And so we did that. And if you're interested in uh, sponsoring a kid through Compassion, you can actually go to compassion.com slash the Miller fam. Yeah. And there, our, our goal, one of our biggest goals has been uh, that every child in Ethiopia get sponsored. There were 5,000 kids, I think, uh, that are still waiting on sponsors in Ethiopia. So that's mm-hmm. a huge one. But the big um, thing with Compassion International, what what we're talking about is family preservation. Yes. Because if at all possible to keep families together um, so that children are not orphaned or they, you know, are not separated from their biological families, we want to be a part of that. And I think that's a big part of 
um, just having a heart for the vulnerable and for the needy. If you say, you know, I value life, you want to value life all the way through, all the way across the board. And so that that means you're going to be valuing children who live in poverty, who, you know, the family's staying together. And um, we're very passionate about family preservation. And I think that Compassionate International does a fantastic job. Yes of doing just that holistically. We're not just talking about feeding children. We're talking about education. We're talking about supporting the families in and in, in their ability to to be able to provide for their own Absolutely. children and become, you know, self-sufficient. And so um, a lot of these kids grow up and they go on to go to college. And there was even an interview where... Really transform the whole community. Yeah. I mean, whenever, they, whenever you're able to break the cycle of poverty like that, it has generational impact. Right. So you're not just helping out a child, you're helping out a village, you're helping out a family, a community, a country. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is, you can't, I cannot overstate the value of that. And right. Yeah. It's so beautiful. We're very, very passionate about that. We are also very passionate about adoption, which our yeah. family, you know, sh- shows that. Um, but adoption is not going to, you, you couldn't solve the worldwide orphan crisis with adoption. Right. Because what you really need to do is break that cycle um, yes. of poverty and disease um, and death due to those issues. And so I, I think that that's something, that, a reason why we're very passionate about being involved in both. Yes, um, absolutely. So there's a both lot of opportunities. Internationally and domestically. I think yes. that's where the beauty of foster care comes in. Yes. I think that's where the beauty of, um, you know, respite care comes in. I think that's where the beauty of, helping young moms. I mean, yeah. that's such a huge part of our story. I think, um, I think for my, for my parents, like whenever my dad left, like we didn't have money for groceries and we're grown. I mean, like literally I'm in high school, but we would show up and there would be groceries on our doorstep because the deacons from our church would know that we needed that. And so that's been part of our, uh, our DNA as a family. Like when we see a young mom, like we want to, step in and help and the way that we were helped, you know, whenever you were, you know, 18 years old with Reese and we were making beans, like literally no money, hardly at all. Mm -hmm. Like we were helped, you know, and we want to make sure that we are part of that as well. So I think the adoption issue is just such a a large nuanced issue that it's, it's, it's sort of when we speak about adoption, we're also speaking about orphan care in general. Um, and so we felt like and it was important for to the talk vulnerable yeah. in general, yes. the, vul- the vulnerable in your community. Yes. Um, it's all intertwined and that is definitely our heart is to be able to somehow make an impact. And, yeah. um, I, I think a lot of times it can be so overwhelming Yes. it's such a huge issue yes. and a huge need that it can feel paralyzing. Like, yes. I don't know where to start. So I just, am not going to do anything. And that's like the worst thing that can happen because <laughs> we can make such a huge difference if we all do something and so maybe you're not called to adopt but there's something that you can do and there's something that all of us can do and we can make such a huge impact in our community in our country and across the world yeah we do all get involved so that's the answer i would say to, to question number one how do i know if i'm called to adopt i think the better question to ask is how do i know if i'm called to care for the vulnerable how do i know if i'm supposed to somehow be a part of caring for the orphan or the fatherless or the widow or, you know, whatever that looks like. Yes. You're, you're, you're supposed to do that. I think as a human, like, I I don't know that that's necessarily a Christian thing or not. I think like as humans, we are, we are called to do that. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor for today's episode, BetterHelp. Man, we have been traveling quite a bit the last few months, and travel is never easy when you're with seven kids, I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's so easy to lose sight of your own personal self-care, which is why we're grateful for BetterHelp. It's so nice to have an option to just chat with a therapist or take a call every now and then, but the best part is it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy. And you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and it comes in really handy when you're always on the move. And they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash b-e-a-u-t that's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash b-e-a-u-t so specifically in the area of adoption obviously we were called to do that i think that we um you know 
there are a lot of ways that you can get involved in adopting. So there are specifically three. I'm getting this from the worldpopulationreview.com. This is a 2022 article, and it kind of breaks out the three types of adoption and specifically like what those look like, how much they cost. So the number one is a private domestic adoption. This is where kids are primarily newborns. Uh, gender is rarely selectable. Parents may change their mind uh, and wish uh, or, or wish to be involved. So it can be an an open adoption where th they have a relationship with their child that you're their parents. And um, that yeah, the is pretty common, actually. Be uh, and that costs generally fifteen to forty five thousand dollars. Uh, that's that's domestic private uh, adoption. Then there's foster care adoption. Uh, this is usually children uh, six and older where gender can be chosen and parents and extended uh, family often wish to remain involved um, as it relates to like s straight up foster care. Uh, the the whole purpose of foster care eventually is to reunify that child with their birth parents or birth yeah. family in some form or fashion. So theoretically, in theory, foster care is supposed to be temporary. You're providing a child uh, a sense of normalcy, love, care, family, um, provision, a home, a bed, um, you know, all the things that a child needs you're, you're giving that to that child. Sometimes that can end in uh, the parental rights being terminated. That child is then put up for adoption in which you can say, I would like to adopt that child. Mm -hmm. That's not the primary goal of foster care. The primary goal of foster care is reunification with the birth family. Right. So, And I want to say this because we did go through the foster care training and we were so close to starting that, that whole journey um, back before we adopted our sons from Ethiopia, um, and we were living in Texas, and then he took a job um, in the state of Missouri, and so we were going to have to redo all of that training for the state of Missouri, and that is when we kind of made the decision to go ahead and adopt versus foster yeah. care. So that's the reason our paths didn't go down foster care. It could have looked very different, I think, if yes. you had maybe not taken that job. Um, a lot of people ask, though, like, why don't you do foster care? Why didn't you? Like, that was something on our hearts, and that's something we even went through the training for. Yeah. And one of the things that was so profound in that training um, that they were telling us about is that a lot of times people say, I could never do foster care because it's so heartbreaking to bring a child into your home knowing that you might have to let them go. You might yeah. have to let them go back to their birth families. And that is heartbreaking, right? Um, and that's something that I think that we even felt, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. that's human to feel yeah. that way. Like, you're going to love this child and then you might have to let them go. Um, but one of the things that they said that I'll never forget is that um, there are statistics that show that if a child, even for, I think they said for like a week or for a month at a time, is in an environment, in a home that shows unconditional love and pours you know, into that child, and even if they are then removed back and put into a, a situation that maybe isn't healthy, maybe it is toxic, maybe it's not good, right? Um, that child will still, the, the statistics show they will go on to have a much higher chance of success, of happiness, yeah. of wellness and whole, you know, wholeness yeah. um, versus a child who was never given that opportunity. And so even if you bring a child into your home and you have to let them go, um, you have made an eternal impact on that child and the trajectory of their life. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know it's not for everyone. I, I, I do think there are some people who say, like, I just I can't do that, you know, for whatever reason. And that's valid. I think you need to know your limits and you need to know what you can yeah. and can't do. And so that, I think that's very important to know that. I'm not saying, like, be a martyr and do th something that you right. feel like you can't handle. Yeah. Um, but to, I think that it's worth at least exploring that option as a possibility because it can make such an enormous difference in a child's life. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's actually something we've continued to talk about, the possibility of, unfortunately, they do have limits on family size um, when it comes right. to foster care. It varies by state. I think in the state of Tennessee, it's either five or eight children dependents in the home. Right. Um, and so our family, just being the size that it is, has not qualified to be able to do foster care. It's something that as our kids grow up, um, we could possibly do. But um, there is such, uh, such a need in, in our communities. 
And I, I do think that it's such an incredible opportunity to make a difference if you're able yeah. to. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the third, uh, which is international adoption. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is obviously the route that we've gone. Uh, children range from 18 to 24 months, uh, toddler, preschool age, most common, and older uh, children. Gender can be chosen. Uh, the family is rarely involved. I don't know that they're really allowed to be involved. Um, There's, just yeah, I was going to say. By law. By law, you, um, I think in almost every country, are not allowed to have any mm -hmm. contact with the birth families. And there was a lot of... Uh, restrictions and laws that were going into place for that reason because of child trafficking child and that trafficking. kind of thing. P people telling the parents that we'll give you money, they'll come back after, they're, and uh, you know yeah. after they're grown, they'll take care of you once they have a college degree, all kinds of stuff. I know some adoption programs internationally that shut down because of corruption yes. and child trafficking and that kind of thing, which is absolutely heartbreaking when you have a real issue with children needing homes that corruption would come in and mess with that. It's just, yes. it's infuriating. It's so heartbreaking um, because there's there's real people, real lives, you know, at stake here. And so that's that's just such a shame when we hear about that. But yeah. I know and, Ethiopia and is one of the programs that did shut down. Yes. Um, and that actually happened, I think, right after we got our sons. Mm -hmm. We were one of the, fam one of the I think, the last families of that it was like that year and yeah. then they closed down. Yeah, they, I mean, literally we were in, uh, we were supposed, they were seeing like 5,000 cases a day and they shut it down to f five. Yeah. Was it 500 cases a day? Yeah. And they shut it down to five a day. Mm -hmm. And we were like one of the last ones and then they eventually shut down the, the program altogether. They um, did. And, and I know there was a lot of families that were in the middle of the, the process. They were waiting to go get their children Yeah, and the, 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 the program shut down and they were never able to bring those children home. It, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Very heartbreaking. Yeah. And then uh, with with international adoption, um, there's a lot of paperwork involved. Um, yes. Yeah. Like it's it's insane. Lots and lots of lots of training involved. You have to get a home study done. Actually, you have to get a home study for all of these. All three. Yeah. Uh, you have to do a home study, uh, which can take a while. Uh, the process in general is about a year. Um, at least in both of our adoptions, it was about a year. A uh, in some cases, it's to 36 months is what uh, yeah. this website right. says. And costs anywhere from twenty to $60,000, averaging thirty dollars to $35,000, uh, which I think all of ours were roughly that 35000 you know, range um, when we adopted. We were also adopting two children two concurrently. at once. So there was a lot of fees that overlapped. Yes. Um, and so there, there is like the country fee, I think, per child. There's a fee. Right? Yes. But then there's a, a lot of this is legal fees and yes. paperwork and attorneys and all of that. Orphanage and, fees, things like yeah. that. Travel fees is a big one. That's, a, um, that's a, one of the reasons why international adoption can be more expensive is because you're talking about plane tickets and staying in another country Hotels, for food, an extended yeah. period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot that goes in into all of that. And so, you know, we, we are laying that out there because for whatever reason, there is some weird notion out there with some people that you adopt to make money. And yeah. when people say that, it's that. sort of baffling because we're like, no, you adopt to go into debt. <laughs> you <laughs> adopt expensive. to have a lot of expenses, you know. Yeah. Uh, there, there's really not, I mean, so with foster care, the government does um, subsidize uh, some of the expenses of uh, raising the children, taking care of the children, clothing, food, uh, you know, insurance, things like that, so that it's not being as much of a financial burden on you. Um, they'll give you like a stipend uh, per month to help with that. But That's, it's by no means the kind of money that like. You're not getting rich. You're not. That. Yeah. I think it's like $500 a month or so. I, and yeah. I, I think Each that also varies a little different. Yeah. Yeah, by state. But, and that's just for foster care. That's not if you adopt out of the foster care system. Yes. I don't believe you at that point get any money right. monthly. Although I do know that they continue, I think, to provide uh, medical insurance, insurance yeah. and also I think and that they will provide co a college tuition is helpful. Covered. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that can be really great if you don't have a lot of resources, um, for the adoption process itself, but you have a home and you have a steady job and you know that that's something you want to do. Adopting out of the foster care system is a great option because yeah. it is little to no money to actually do the adoption itself. 
Yes. Um, and then, like we said, they'll cover, you know, the, um, the, the child's college and that kind of thing. So that can, that can be really a great option. And if you feel called to adopt, if you, if you feel like you're supposed to adopt, whether it be it domestic or international or through the foster care system, um, but specifically with the domestic and international, um, the, the funds can feel pretty scary, can, mm. can feel a little debilitating, mm-hmm. a little limiting. Uh, so for us, that was the case. I was making a pastor's income, not a lot of money. Um, and uh, we really did, it really did take a village. You know, mm-hmm. we, we fundraised, mm-hmm. um, we sold uh, CDs back when people still did CDs. <laughs> uh, we, we did that. Um, we had dinners where we would make spaghetti or whatever and invite people to come and have dinner, like an adoption dinner. We sold bags of coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our family has a coffee shop called Summer Moon um, and they would roast all the adoption coffee. We would sell that. Um, you know, we did garage shirts. Sales. We did garage sales. We did, uh, we actually like did a stint where we were selling like. Oh, our health and wellness thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we did a stint where we did like a health and wellness uh, company where we would make, you know, we made a few, you know, $1,000 for that, like $15,000 doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were grants and there were no interest loans and there were things like that. There was uh, show hope was a big one for us, right. gave us a grant, um, a, a grant called Caitlin's fund. Uh, another one, I can't, a life song for orphans gave us a no interest loan. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a bunch of organizations out there uh, and the show hope thing was amazing because, uh, we were at a concert, a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert. Um, when he was first launching Show Hannah's Hope, uh, which is now Show Hope. And that was really the first thing that got us talking about, I think we're supposed to start adopting right now. Mm -hmm. I think we're supposed to start this thing. Uh, And so huge thanks to Stephen and Mary Beth Chapman. Stephen Curtis and Mary Beth Chapman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because without that night, I mean, that was a huge turning point for us that... um, they kind of got the ball rolling on this whole thing. And yeah. they have given so much money to adopting couples who have felt like they want to adopt but can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, Show Hope has been an amazing organization for that. Um, so there are options. You know, the girls, uh, when we were adopting the boys from Ethiopia, they baked brownies and yeah. went around to the neighbors and said, would you like to buy a brownie for my adoption? Yeah, it was really cool to see like making it a family event um, because, you know, for our story, we already did have two biological children and we wanted to make sure that they felt like we as a family were doing this thing and they were welcoming in their brothers. And um, so it was it was really cool the Mm -hmm. ways that we were able to kind of all get involved and do that. Um, But, yeah, it can be really overwhelming when you talk about the time that it takes, um, the paperwork that it takes the the uh, income that it takes and just know that if you feel passionate that this is something you're supposed to do like there is a way yes a way to do it um you're gonna have to hustle and work hard but there's a way to make it happen yes absolutely and then even for a while there was a a a tax rebate uh, or tax refund that would the government would even step in and help Mm-hmm. Um, with you know reimbursing you for some of the costs, I don't know if that still exists. It's not or not. a rebate, it, as as far as I remember now, it's not a, a return. But um, it's a deduction. But it's a de- it is a deduction. Yeah. So you can deduct the costs, the legal costs of adopting that child. Yeah. Um, from your taxes, and that can carry over mm-hmm. if it if it's uh, more than one year's worth, and it can yes. carry over for several years. So that does provide some relief for families as well. Um, there was a few years there where they actually made it as a refund. So um, if you spent $15,000 on an adoption, you would actually get that as a refund from mm-hmm. your taxes. That's amazing because that, that was really me. helped a lot of families. Yeah. Um, but now it is just um, so uh, it, it, a deduction. A deduction. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. A little fried our, right now. We don't know taxes. We don't know any of that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, we do know that that, that is there as an option. So mm-hmm. and a lot of people, that's the main deterrent uh, for them is they, they look at that number, golly, 30,000 bucks. How would we ever do that? And that's, that was for sure my reaction, you know, Mm -hmm. but then not just one time, but twice we, we adopted and, um, you know, two concurrently both times and, Mm -hmm. and 
we raise the money and our kids are home. Yeah. And coming from a Christian perspective, um, for those of you who share our faith, it was incredible to see God's faithfulness every step of the way. As soon as we knew, like, this is what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And we prayed about it and felt like, you know, we, we wanted to raise the amount for the initial fee, um, in the home study. And once we got that, we would have officially start the, the process. Yeah. And it was really incredible to see the confirmations along the way. The, um, and there was a couple of times where it got real close, where it was like, there's this next fee that's due yeah. and we don't have the money. I remember very vividly sitting at the dining room table, feeling really overwhelmed because they um, had said, okay, so here's this this next you know, kind of thing. It's due. It's yeah. due. Um, if it's if it's not paid by the end of you know this month, then we'll have to put a hold on the process, which was heartbreaking for me. We had already been matched with our sons. Yeah. Um, pretty early on in the process, so that kind of lit a fire underneath us. We're like, we want to do this as fast as possible because we know these children are waiting for us. And uh, so I was sitting at the table, and I was just like, basically in tears. I felt just this heavy, heavy burden, and I remember like just laying my head down on my on my hands and praying and being like, Lord, I need you to provide this. Um, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can. We're working as hard as we can. Um, and then that afternoon we went out to check the, check mail, the mail and yeah. there was a, a, a check from someone who had heard that we were raising money and I don't know how they, I, they didn't know, but it was, how the, they amount knew the, amount. It yeah. was the amount that we needed. The exact amount for yeah. us to be able to make that payment. And I've heard so many stories of that kind of thing from adoptive families who just kind of took that leap of faith. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying don't be prepared and don't be educated because you definitely should. Mm -hmm. But there are times where it gets down to the wire. If you're waiting to like have everything just laid out and all your ducks in a row and you know, it, like, you know, there's absolutely nothing to worry about you might be waiting forever, yeah, you know? exactly. And, and so sometimes you just do the best you can. You, you educate yourself really well. You make sure that this is what you're called to do. You become you ready as you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yeah. like, just go for it, you know? And yeah. I mean, obviously within all the within reason, yeah. be responsible, be responsible, count the cost, yeah. you but know? it's okay to take that leap of faith, but it is okay. Cause sometimes you're never going to eliminate the element of faith as a requirement of mm. stepping out and doing something like this, I would say. Yeah, that's true. Know? So I, I think that's a good, a good place to kind of move into like very briefly. Um, all that to say that sounds like a lot and it is a lot uh, to, to bring a child home. Mm -hmm. And when you bring the child home, that's the beginning yeah. of a lot. Right. Yeah. A lot so, of people have this misconception that the adoption process itself is the hard part. And then you bring the child is a, home. It is a part of the hard. Yeah, but it is. But then, <laughs> you know, we just don't want to portray it that you bring your child home and then it's happily ever after. There's no issues. There's no right. struggle. There's none of that because, and that's part, that goes back to being really educated and, and something that, um, you know, when you go through the adoption process, if you... I think most agencies, especially if you have a good agency, it's going to have a lot of training. A lot of training, a lot of reading. Because you need to read The Connected Child. Yeah. Write that down. We're going to link it in the show notes. That's a good one. Uh, the Connected Child is must read for anybody who is going to adopt. Yeah. It's so key. You're talking about attachment, bonding, trauma. A lot of kids have been through trauma and how... Food issues. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that the, the, the bonding, the connection... The attachment is so big because they haven't been told in their life that it's safe to attach. Especially if you're adopting older children. Maybe some of this is a little bit more simplified if you're adopting a newborn baby. Yes. Um, but even there, th there's still some of that nurture that has not been experienced mm -hmm. that makes it harder for them to attach. Mm -hmm. You know, even and even one-year-olds. It can be. Know. And the, the thing is that every story is so different. So some... Mm -hmm. Families may bring a child home and it's so smooth and easy and the child and you just bond and attach so easily and seamlessly from day one. And other times, you know, you need maybe to, to have some some help. You know, it could be that you need some, some uh, like a therapist or somebody that can come in, an attachment-based therapist, um, especially when you're talking about older children because a lot of times they've been through so much. 
Yeah. And in the same way that when you've been through something that's really hard, you need people that can help guide you to, mm-hmm. to heal and to be well. Um, and a lot of times that's your role as parents yeah. when you're bringing these children into your home is helping to facilitate healing and bonding and attachment. And so it's really key that you understand all the nuances of that, which is something that um, you know a lot of the, the training will prepare you for. You'll know what you're seeing when you see it, right? But then the day-to-day, like, you you just have to be prepared and, like, have your heart ready because children are going to struggle at times. Yeah. And so you need to, to be able to come at it from a perspective of empathy and gentleness because a lot of times gentleness. you cannot parent children the same way as you would, like, your biological child because a child who's been through trauma is going to react differently. Very so different traditional parenting yeah. doesn't really work with children who have been through trauma. And so um, that is something I will say, like having a lot of patience and a lot of flexibility. Like we talked about adopting Penelope as a 12 year old. She had a lot of questions. She had a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And so we had to go at that very, very gently and be able to hold very loosely to our ideas of what it would look like and how we would parent. Um, and, And I would say today, like, we have such a great relationship with her. She, Absolutely. She's one of the most incredible people I've ever met. And, um, you know, her story is her own. And she's talked about writing a book one day. So I think that would be incredible for you guys yeah. to, to read if she She's already started that. writing some of it. She's, she's, she's read awesome. me some chapters and I'm just like, girl, like this is amazing. <laughs> but it was really hard, especially that first year. Yeah. It was really challenging. And so um, being able to have the right training to know, like when you're like, looking at trauma and trauma shows up like, okay, so this is how we need to go about this to be able to meet that need to be able to help yes. them to feel safe and loved and that everything is going to be okay. You know? Yes. Um, so education is so important on that. Um, yeah. And then I think just knowing that, you know, a lot of people will say, can you love that child the same way that you love your biological children? Mm-hmm. And I would say yes and no. Like you, you love them but you parent them differently, maybe. Yeah, you love them exactly the same. I would say that is absolutely, most definitely true. Like, yeah. you, the, you would feel that way. I think a lot of people feel that way. Also, just from having a second child, a lot of times you think this first child that you're given, you just love them so much. Like, how is my heart going to expand yeah. anymore? Yeah. And then that second child comes along, and it's like, how did I ever doubt that that was going to be yeah. you know, true? That's, I think, true for a lot of people absolutely. when they're going through the adoption process. You have those questions and stuff, and then it's like the the Lord just does something in your heart. It it, it multiplies, you know. It does. Um, yeah. But like we said, parenting can be very different because a lot of times traditional parenting won't work. Like, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. One of the things that they talk about in in um, training is timeouts, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of times, a, a normal way of dealing with a child that maybe is doing something and they're being defiant or they're just not listening or whatever, is you would put that child and say, now you're going to have to sit in timeout for, you know, five minutes or, right. you know, whatever. Um, but that for a child who has experienced trauma mm-hmm. um, is going to feel that personally as a rejection. And right. a lot of times you can see that kind of spiral out of control because you're thinking like, this is just a simple timeout because yeah. you're not listening. But yeah. that, but for them, they're feeling rejected to their core. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do things a little differently. They talked about time in and yeah. um, parenting in a way that is attachment-based and connected. So where your child still feels connected, even though you're maybe having to do some discipline, you're having to re, um, redirect that child, right? But you do it in a way that is connected so that your child yes. always feels safe and feels like they're not being rejected even though the behavior is unacceptable they're not unacceptable Mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised how much with children who have gone through trauma or abandonment that that is a very big thing and so it's every day showing up consistently and saying like I'm not going anywhere I'm going to love you regardless um, and and displaying that consistently yeah I think the showing up the being present you know that's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that you can do for your birth child, for your adopted child, mm. for your spouse, for yourself, for your family, for your marriage, yeah. just showing up, being present when you're present. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a good, a good way to transition into mm-hmm. uh, our beautiful people segment, actually. Yeah. We've given you guys a ton 
This is chew a lot on of today. information. It's a, it's a pretty thick. So there there are bound to be more questions and more episodes. We could do probably 15 episodes on adoption alone, uh, and maybe we will. You know, maybe we'll in, invite some of our adoptive kids on to talk about their experience. We'll, you know, those are all things that we've talked about doing. Uh, but this Beautiful People segment I thought was so great because you talk about being present, and particularly in the case of uh, children who don't have fathers, um, they can experience this, you know, kind of void sometimes it's painful so there's a guy uh his name is summer clayton and he created an entire instagram account basically being your dad and and telling mm-hmm. you, you that he's proud of you it's it's called official your proud dad check him out on instagram but he'll bring you dinner like uh, on the screen and just Hey, how was your day? You know, it's actually really cool. Like we watched a few of his videos and he's just kind of stepping into that void that a lot of people uh, feel uh, when they don't have a dad in the picture. Uh, And so I just think that's so cool, man. It's It's, incredibly profound. And yeah, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of of kids who I think feel like they they are missing that or they didn't have that. Um, Just simple ways that maybe you wouldn't ever think through it. And then he's he's able to kind of give that kind of not just like being there but giving um what's the word i'm trying to say that kind of encouragement that like encouragement, he's like yeah. I'm, i want you to know i'm proud of you you know yeah. like it's just yeah. like you watch it i'm like kind of tearing up when i'm watching it it's so right. good but yeah. we'll, we'll actually link his account uh in the show notes as well so you guys can check that out but really appreciate you guys uh listening watching uh make sure you leave us a review if you're, you know, into that whole thing, if you're watching on YouTube, drop a comment, share this wherever you want to share it. Uh, subscribe to Family Made Media here on on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. That would help us out immensely, Good. as Good. Ethan says. So yeah. uh, anyway, our eight year old, yeah, he says he, immensely. Our eight year old's favorite word is immensely. <laughs> so we would be immensely grateful for you guys to subscribe and uh, leave us a review but we love you guys can't wait to see you next time bye guys bye.